Well, I want to tell you something. As we look into our, our work, the sermon today, something a little unusual. I have been looking forward to preaching on this topic, this particular, to this particular verse, for a number of months now. I'm going to explain what, what I mean by that. Back in October, um, every October, I go on a three-day silent prayer retreat and uh, uh, with a number of other pastors, and we go on a silent prayer retreat three days, no talking, directed prayer, and um, just you and God. And, and I go there every year with a very open mind. I don't ever have an agenda, or I try to never have an agenda. This year I went with no agenda. Um, matter of fact, I don't allow myself to bring anything with me. I don't allow myself to have an agenda in my mind, because then I know I'll get focused on that, and I want to just be open to what the Lord has. And so as I'm going through this prayer thing, and I'm going through the guided prayer, um, I start thinking about the first sermon of 2013. And I'm thinking, I knew it was the Lord speaking to me, like He's speaking to me about the first sermon that I would preach in 2013. And I thought that was kind of odd, because why in October am I thinking about the first sermon in 2013? And, but I really believed it was the Lord speaking to me. And when He was speaking to me, I felt that He was saying to me that He has incredibly great plans for Portview Church in 2013 and beyond. And that, that He is developing us into a great church that God will use to greatly impact our community and that 2013 should be a monumental and a pivotal year for our church to advance and to go forward. And I felt convinced that he wanted me to speak about a particular text on the first Sunday of 2013 because I felt like he was saying it would be necessary to grasp this idea in order to prepare us for what God wants to do through us in the future. You know, we can have all kinds of plans, but those plans don't mean a whole lot. Um, What we want is God's plans. And I feel like God is saying, I have a plan, and I want to to do some incredible things through your individual lives and in your individual lives and in this church congregation corporately. But he's saying, I have some stuff I need to take care of first. And I felt he directed me to a really common text, one that when I just say the scripture reference, you may say, oh, I know what that says. Um, But it was this text, and I felt it was the text for today. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. And so if you want, turn in your Bible there with me today. Philippians chapter 3. Verses 13 and 14, we're going to look at a few other verses today, but we're going to start there, and that's going to be the, the, the foundation for what I believe God wants us to get as we close out 2012 and start in 2013. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 13, it says this. It says, Brethren, I do not regard myself, this is the Apostle Paul writing, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what lies behind, he said, and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And as I kind of mulled that over during my prayer retreat and and prayed about it and looked at it in the scriptures, I really thought the Lord was saying to me that, um, that I was to help our church do something a little unusual today. Um, that I felt like he was saying, Mark, I want you to help the church have a funeral for those things in the past that hold us back and to encourage us to move into a great future. As a matter of fact, I was con- so convinced about the funeral aspect that my plan all along was, was to have a coffin in here for Sunday morning. I really was going to get a coffin right here in the center. And as I talked to the staff about it, they said, you're going to really creep everybody out. 
I said, well, that's okay. And they said, oh, we're not so sure. And I said, I said but I, I want to be dramatic in the sense that God is saying I want to have a funeral for the past. And, and uh, we thought about it and thought there's other ways we could accomplish the same idea of communicating that, what, that God wants us to kind of bury those things in our past that hold us back and then to encourage us to move into a great future that God desires for us. You see, I believe that God has an incredible future for us. I honestly believe He desires to bless us, He desires to prosper us, and He desires to minister through us in ways that we never even imagined or thought were possible. We often have very small dreams and visions of what God wants to do. We kind of look at a year and go, I just hope I get through this year. Well, God doesn't want us just to get through. He wants us to thrive. He wants you to thrive spiritually in 2013. But for that to happen, we need to start this new year by doing what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.13. He says we need to forget what lies behind. That that's the starting place. To go into the preferred future, we need to first of all deal with the past by forgetting what lies behind. And I really felt directed of the Lord that there were some things that God wants for us, for you as individuals, for us as a church, for me, that He wants us to forget about. Or in other words, to bury, to have a funeral for, from 2012 and the years before that. And I believe they they came down to to two basic categories. And I'm going to just tell you what they are and we're going to talk about them today. I believe the two things that he wants us to make sure that we bury in 2012, that we have a funeral for in 2012, is what first, that you and I need to forget our past failures. That God is saying, listen, help my people understand that they can put their past failures in the past. They can leave them there, to not bring them with them for another year. And then the second thing is this, that we need to give up our grudges. That there's things we have grudges in our life, and that He wants us to give those up before we can move into the preferred future that God has available to us. We need to bury these things in the past, our failures and our grudges. We need to start this way. We need to start by forgetting our past failures. There's something I need you to understand as we go into 2013 that you need to make acceptable to yourself, especially you perfectionists out there. And I'm one of you. I understand. You need to understand that we all fail. The old saying is the only person who ever fails is a person who never tries. So we all fail. The only person who doesn't fail, if you just sit, sit in your bedroom all day, don't do anything, you know, then you don't have any chance of failing. But that's a pretty rotten, miserable, limited existence. God has more. So just understand in the beginning of 2013, as you're looking back at 2012, we all fail, we all sin. I'm not, I'm not excusing sin, but in 1 John it tells us we all sin. It says if we say we don't, we're a liar. And so I don't want to be a liar. We all fail, we all sin, and most of us carry a lot of baggage around because we feel guilty, or we feel remorseful, or we feel embarrassed by the things in our pasts. And that baggage that we carry around keeps us from being able to advance as God wants us to advance. Well, I want you to hear today, I want you to grasp today, what God, through the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of His Spirit, says to you and me about that. He says, forget. He says this way, 2013, it's time to forget what lies behind. It's time for you to move on. See, if you've come to Christ, 
and you have repented of your sins, it means change direction, where you were walking towards sin and now you're walking towards God, if you've done that, then the Lord has washed your sins away and it says He has forgotten them. And He's saying to us, it's time for you to forget them also. But you say, guess what, I'm not God, I can't, I can't forgive and forget. And you're right, you can't. But I believe when it says forget what lies behind, forget the past, I, I, I don't believe that the Apostle Paul means that you will never remember those things again. I don't believe when he says, when we're telling you to forget it, he's saying you'll never remember those things again. Rather, you can really believe in your heart that you are not held guilty because of your past sins once you come to Christ and walk in His freedom. He is a freedom for you in 2013 from the things of the past that some of us have never walked in before. I felt convicted of the Lord, convinced of the Lord, that this is how we want us to start our year. That you are carrying baggage, and that baggage keeps you from walking in freedom. And he's saying, listen, you can really come to the place where you believe that you are not held guilty anymore because of past sins. Because now you're a child of God and you walk in Christ. That when the memories of those past things surface, and they will, that you don't deny them, rather you put them in their proper place. And their proper place is in the past and under the blood of Christ. That you, by an act of your will, put them in the right place this year, 2013, at the end of 2012. You put them in the past. You have a funeral for them. You bury them. If you need to actually take them and, and dig a hole in the ground and write it down and bury it, we're going to do something similar to that at the end of the service today, that you put them in the past under Christ's blood. You see, that's what the Apostle Paul in Philippians is modeling for us in this text. You need to understand the context of what's going on. He says, forget what lies behind. But let's remember who the Apostle Paul is. Sometimes we think of the Apostle Paul as this great champion of the faith. And he is. Maybe the greatest Christian human who's ever lived. You know, Jesus was fully God and fully man, but the Apostle Paul was just fully man. And he was maybe the greatest human, complete human, that's ever lived for the Lord. He's maybe been the most influential person for Christianity in the history of the world. But let's remember who the Apostle Paul is. Paul is the one who gave permission for Stephen, the apostle, to be stoned for simply being a Christian. Remember the story in the book of Acts? The early church is developing, it's growing, and, and they, take, they take Stephen and they're going to stone him because he's causing too much problems. These Jews don't like that he's stirring up the crowd. And Paul, it says, gives his hearty approval. He's a representative of the religious, of religious leaders. He gives his hearty approval to murder Stephen. Paul was a murderer. But he wasn't just a murderer. Paul was also, according to his own admission, the chief one who persecuted the early church of Jesus Christ. That he, on the day that he, was, that he met Christ on the road to Damascus, do you remember what he was doing? He was going there with written authority to imprison any people who followed the way. And the way was the way of Christ. And so he, he was a persecutor of the church. He fought against everything that God was doing. And if anyone had reason to not be able to forget, to not be able to move past his past, it had to be the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Paul understood that he could move past his failures by being in Christ. And I want you to listen to how he explained this 
in 1 Timothy. Grab your Bible. Flip over to the book of 1 Timothy. Because some of you are sitting here saying, Yeah, but you know, Mark, that's real easy for you. But you don't know the things in my past. My past is worse than anybody's past. And, and you don't get it. And so it's easy for you to say forget, but I can't, I can't just move on. But I want you to see that uh, we can move on. 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 12, listen to what the Apostle Paul has to say about himself. It says, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy, because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and the love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. He, he holds himself up as an example here. And look what he says. He said, he is the example of those who think they are too bad. For those of you who sit here and say, but you don't understand. He's looking at you and he's saying, oh yes, I do. He holds himself up as an example. Matter of fact, I believe God selected him for that very reason. To hold him up as an example and say, if I can save this guy, if he can move past his past, then I can save anybody and anybody can move past their past. He stands as an example of those who think they're too bad. You see, if God could forgive him, then God could forgive anyone. He calls himself the foremost of all the sinners. He formerly was a blasphemer, he said. He formerly was a persecutor. He formerly was a violent aggressor against the things of God. But because of God's grace, he could leave the past in the past. You see, if there is guilt or remorse that you are carrying today... This is what I believe God wants for you starting 2013. That God wants to take it away so you don't carry it another year. He wants you to know that you are forgiven. He wants you to know that His grace is greater than your guilt. And it's time to bury your past failures and leave them in the past. I believe that's the message that God has for us to deal with in our own pasts as individuals. I believe the way the Lord spoke to me to say this. To say that God is giving you permission for you to leave it in the past today. That sometimes we carry along and say, but God, I'm still so sorry. That's fine that you're still so sorry. But God is giving you permission to leave your past in the past if you've repented of it today. Because that's what he does. So the first thing is he wants us to understand that we need to get past our past failures. To bury them. To have a funeral for them this year. But that wasn't the only thing I felt him speak to me about. Um, as we enter into 2013 and close out 2012, there's another thing that I believe that we are to forget. Another thing I think we are to bury and to leave in 2012, that it's time to give up your grudges. And you say, well, why is that? It's trying to give up your grudges for this reason so that you can advance into 2013. You say, what's a grudge? A grudge is a deep, ongoing resentment that, that we cultivate in our hearts against someone else in our lives. A grudge is an unforgiving spirit that leads to unforgiving attitudes and unforgiving actions. You see, to advance into 2013, what I think the Lord is trying to get to us today is this. We need to forgive ourselves, but we also need to forgive others. 
He's saying, you need to forgive yourself of what's going on in the past, but you need to give up your grudges. You need to forgive other people that you have allowed a real, legitimate grudge to develop in your life for. You see, friends, we won't advance into 2013 if we are holding grudges against others. It won't happen. Grudges destroy marriages. Some of you need to forget a grudge that's going on in your marriage. You need to, you need to put it in 2012 and stop carrying it on to the next year. Grudges destroy marriages. Grudges break up families. Some of you just came through the Christmas season and we did our best to give you all the, all the tools we could to go into 20, 2012 Christmas and have a right Christmas. But for some of you it didn't work so good maybe. You tried and it didn't work and that grudge got bigger instead of smaller. I'm telling you today God is saying, listen, it's time to let it go because grudges break up families. Grudges ruin friendships. And it's trying to say, you know what? God brought that person into my life, and I'm not going to let this petty thing from the past break us up. God brought, brought the, the grudges ruin friendships. And friends, guess what? Grudges hinder churches. Grudges are the ultimate reason that split churches, but, but grudges also, maybe more damaging, hinder the advancement of a church. When this person is a grudge against that person, there's disunity in the body. There's disunity in the body. The Spirit of God cannot flow freely. If the Spirit of God cannot flow freely, God cannot do what He wants to do through a body. So grudges hinder and grudges destroy churches. Friends, it is time for us to give up our grudges against those people or those group of people that have hurt you because that grudge is holding you back. And it's time for you and me to get past those grudges. You see, harboring a grudge will destroy you. It will make you bitter, and it will make you a twisted person. The book of Job speaks to this in chapter 21. It describes people like this. It says this in chapter 21. People who have no happiness at all, they live and die with bitter hearts. What a, what a description of people. They have no happiness at all. Why? Because they live and die with a bitter heart, with bitter hearts. That's a person who harbors a grudge. You know, that's what happens to us when we hold on to our grudges. God can't bless us, and God can't use us when we act like that, when we refuse to do what He challenges us to do, to let go of a grudge. See, Scripture commands that we forgive as we have been forgiven. We have been forgiven everything. If you're a child of God, you understand like the Apostle Paul, I was once all these things, but now I'm free in Christ. You see, God's not asking you to ignore what a person has done to you. That would be impossible. He's not asking you to pretend that it didn't happen. He doesn't ask you to condone it or to pretend that it doesn't matter. What God tells you to do is to forgive. That means to acknowledge how wrong and how painful it was, but to choose to forgive the person who did the wrong to you by the grace and the power of Christ within you. Some of you need to forgive your parents for something that they have done to you in years gone by, and you have carried it with you as a grudge against them for year after year after year. Some of you need to forgive your children because they haven't done or turned out or responded the way that you thought they were going to turn out or respond or become. You need to forgive your children. Some of you need to, for, to forgive your spouse, or some of you need to forgive your ex-spouse. We understand that God's plan is never divorce, and divorce is painful, and divorce is difficult, but guess what we understand in our culture? It happens. But some of you have spent, the, from the day you got divorced until the rest of your life to this point, you've carried a grudge. And as bitterness comes in your heart, and Job understood it, that no one, that we have no happiness at all, they who live and die 
with bitter hearts. So forgive that spouse or that ex-spouse. Some need to give up a grudge against another person in this congregation. Or, the, or give up a grudge against someone in another congregation. You need to give that grudge up today. See, friends, there is no better time to make the difficult decision to forgive than at the start of a brand new year. What I love about New Year's is it causes us time to examine the old and say, what do I want for the new? And what God is saying to us is He's saying, listen, it's time to forget what lies behind. Let's leave the junk in the past. Let's leave the junk in 2012 and move into the greatest year of our entire existence. So He says to get there, church, there's two things that need to be left in the past in 2012. Your past failures and your grudges. But He says that's not the end of it. He says that's just the place to get rid of the junk. But then he says, then I've got incredible news. Because the Apostle Paul didn't say just forget the past. He says forget the past, but then reach forward to what lies ahead in the coming year. I believe God has incredible things in 2013. What's ahead? You know, the Mayan calendar was wrong. You're still here. You know what? Praise the Lord. I was kind of hoping they were right. You know, that somehow God had used them. I was ready to go to heaven. I'm like, it's time to go, you know. And I've, unfortunately, it wasn't some kind of divine inspiration. Didn't believe it was for a second. But, uh, but guess what? They were wrong. And we ask ourselves, what's ahead? Well, the Apostle Paul, in this text, when he says, forget the past and look forward to the future, Paul looked ahead with a perspective that wasn't just for today. He looked ahead with an eternal perspective. And in verse 11... He said, look at verse 11 in, in, in Philippians 3. He said that he was looking ahead to the future. And what was he looking forward to? He was looking forward to the resurrection from the dead. That that's when he said looking ahead. He was looking ahead a long ways. He didn't know how many days, how many years. But he's looking ahead to the ultimate and to the resurrection of the dead. That Paul was looking to the ultimate goal. Eternity with Jesus. And he didn't want any temporary or earthly sin or situation to stand in the way of that. So he said, you know what, forget what lies behind and reach forward to what lies ahead. The goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He was looking forward to that goal, eternity with Jesus. And friends, of course, that needs to be where our attention is always ultimately focused. As children of God, if we forget the eternal focus, we miss it all. Nothing makes sense. Because guess what, this world is a garbage dump. Nothing makes sense if we don't look to the ultimate goal. You know, the book of James, read it to this afternoon, is all about Christians being mistreated. And what he constantly says, just look to the end. Just look to the end. They seize your property, they kill you, they imprison you. Just look to the end. And we ultimately have to have that goal in our life, that focus in our lives, forgetting what lies behind and looking forward to what lies ahead, the resurrection of the dead. I want to attain to the resurrection of the dead. I want nothing to stand in my way till I get to that day where I hear the trumpet sound and I get to be with Jesus in heaven. That that's the ultimate focus. But I ask this question today. What about the days between now and then? What was the Apostle Paul and what should we be reaching for in the here and the now? What did he consider to be the prize during his life? So he had a prize at the end, the resurrection. But what did he consider to be the prize during his life? Well, he answers that question in, in the chapter 1 of Philippians. Turn back to Philippians. Chapter 1, though, go a little earlier than where we were. And he answers the question for us. What was he looking ahead for? And friends, you need to grasp this today because it's what he has for our futures. 
And some of you aren't going to believe what he has to say here. Some of you won't believe this is God's plan for you. But I'm telling you, based on God's word, this is God's plan for your preferred future. Philippians chapter 1, verse, starting verse 21. Look at the Apostle Paul has to say. These, this is one of, my, one of my core verses for my entire life I try to live by every day. 121. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's why I said I wish the Mayans were right. Because it's better on the other side. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose. But I am hard pressed from both directions, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. The prize that Paul was reaching for, what's he say it was what was it? He said it was fruitful labor. The prize that he said he's shooting for is fruitful labor. It's fruitfulness. It's prosperity. It's fruitfulness. He knew that God's plan for God's people is to be fruitful. And friends, you need to grasp it today. God's plan for you and for all of us is to be fruitful. God knew that if, or Paul knew that if God kept him here walking this earth, then he would be fruitful. Verse 22. That's exactly what he says. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. He doesn't say, I hope it will mean that. He says, if I am to stay in the flesh, it will mean fruitful labor for me. He said, I don't know which one to choose. We need to understand that, that um, God wants us to be fruitful. Church, that's God's plan for Port Pew. If we will forget what lies behind and reach forward to what lies ahead, what lies ahead, God's plan for us is fruitfulness. Friends, what might that fruitfulness look like in 2013? It might not be some of the things you think, but these are the things that God thinks. What might that fruitfulness look like in 2013? You know what it might look like? It might look like restored relationships resulting from giving up grudges. Some of you can't enjoy anything in life because grudges grip your heart. And you leave them in the past, and God has fruitfulness, the joy of release, and the joy of restored relationships. That's fruitfulness in 2013. What else might it look like? It might look like overcoming sin and strongholds by the power of the Spirit of God in your life. Some of you are held captive by strongholds in your life, and God's plan, His fruitful plan for you, is to set you free from those things in 2013. If you deal with a stronghold, you know this. You come into church and you smile. I walk up and say, how's it going? You go, great. But inside you're saying, bad. You don't want to admit it to me. You don't, you don't need to admit it to me. You need to admit it to God. There's strongholds in your life. There's things inside, and God says, what will fruitfulness look like? Fruitfulness looks like God, by His Spirit, helping you to overcome sin and strongholds in your life in 2013. What else might fruitfulness look like in 2013? It can look like prosperity. See, God says in Malachi chapter 3, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, 
so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this. The only time in Scripture he says to test him. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. I absolutely believe Scripture teaches that if we will honor God with our first fruits of our finances, that then he will prosper us. I honestly believe that. I honestly do. And I'm living proof that it works. That I honestly believe it. But this is it's an if-then statement. If you will do this, then I will do that. A lot of times in the church we say, I want the then, but I don't want the if. Honor him first. It's a test. He's testing you. You're testing him. Honor him first with your first fruits, with the first 10%, and then he will bless you abundantly. Not so you can buy bigger and more, but that you can use it for the glory of God. That's what it's all about. He's never concerned with bigger and more for us. He's concerned with greater things than that the world has to offer. What else might fruitfulness look like? Um, it might look like fruitfulness. Um, it, it might look like the greater fruitfulness in the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You think of this, 2013. Could you imagine if at the end of 2013 you look back at, 20, at, the, at, at, the, at the end of it, you look back at the whole year, and you look and say, you know what I see has been fruitful in my life? That this year I have more love. I have more joy. I have more peace. I have more patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine, men, if our wives said about us, you know what, in 2013... You have more gentleness. You have more self-control. Could you imagine the blessing in our marriages if the fruit of the Spirit expanded in our lives in 2013? That's fruitfulness. You know, the old saying says, money can't buy you love, and it can't. Only God can give you love. God can cause love to grow in increasing measures in your spirit in 2013. The world can't give you peace. We try every way possible to find it, but Jesus said, I am the Prince of Peace. But God can, in spite of what CNN or Fox News have to say, He can give you peace. He's not worried about a fiscal cliff. He doesn't care about that stuff. He looks at it, we scramble and get so upset, and the church world gets upset, and God looks at us and says, Really? Am I not bigger than that? He is bigger than that. He wants to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding, even in spite of a fiscal cliff. You know what? I don't know what's going to happen, but He does. And you know what? The Apostle Paul sat and he looked at the future and he says, if God keeps me here, it's to be fruitful. And if God keeps you here, it's going to be fruitful. And he may make an economic mess out of the whole thing in order to give you that gift. And I say, bring it on. I want all that God has. God is, wants us to be fruitful. What a great year it will be if we all grow in the fruit of the Spirit. What else could fruitfulness look like in 2013? How about productive ministry in your life? 2013 can be the year you really find where you fit in God's family and you use your giftedness for His glory. Friends, I want to tell you, there is joy and fulfillment in finding where you fit and functioning according to your giftedness. You know, maybe it will be in 2013 that God will use you to lead one of your family members or your friends to Christ. Prosperous ministry through you. God's plan for His people is fruitfulness. The Apostle Paul understood that. He didn't say, maybe I'll be fruitful. He said, if God keeps me here, I'll be productive. I'll be fruitful. And I really believe that God wants to do something extraordinary in and through this church family in 2013. He wants to, to get us ready by leaving the junk in the past, the hurts and the grudges. 
and then to reach forward into what he has for the new year. Friends, I want to understand, that's not passive. Both of these things take effort, but the results will be beyond what we ever imagine or think are possible. Now, I feel there's something that I'm supposed to do to help you with this. I didn't bring a casket out here. I was going to. I told you that. I honestly did. Kristen Welch's dad's a retired mortician. We had it all lined up. We knew how we were going to get a casket. But I think the Lord's given us a different way to handle what we're, what we're supposed to do today. Because it's easy for me to say forget what lies behind and reach forward to what lies ahead. But I think God wants to cement it in today. He wants me to help you process it and help me process this in a very, um, in a very particular way. And I'm going to call our ushers. Our ushers have some, some gold slips of paper. I want them to come forward with those gold pieces of paper right now. I was going to put them in your bulletin, but I knew if I did, you did. If I did, you'd look at them the whole time. And you'd be saying, what's this for? And so I'm going to tell you what they're for right now. So the ushers are going to bring those down right now. And they're going to pass out these little slips of paper, these uh, cards. And on these cards, they say two things. It says a New Year's evaluation, evaluating the past. And there's two, there's two things. Past failures. I'll take one of those, Evan. And then past the, everybody take one. And it says on a slip, past failures. And it says grudges. And this is what we're going to do with these as we close our service out. I want you to take out a pen. You have pens in your purses, ladies. There's pens in the pews in front of you. Share a pen if you want. Give your neighbor, I don't care if your neighbor's your husband or your wife or your kid, give them privacy. Don't do this number. You weren't supposed to do that on tests in school. You know, so don't do it right now. I really want this to be significant. And I know I had to disrupt a little bit by passing these out, but I couldn't come up with a better way to do it. And so I really want you to stay focused right now. Because I believe God has something great for 2013. And what I want you to do as we close is I want you to write down what the Lord has already spoken to you about these things. This is what I prayed for today. This is what myself and the pre-service prayer team prayed for today. I, we prayed this, didn't we? That as I would speak today about past sins and about grudges, that the Spirit of God would speak to you at the time I'm, at the time I'm speaking about it. So that when I say right now, you know what the Lord has spoken to you that you know what the Lord has spoken to you. And that what I want you to do is I want you to write down, I'm going to give you time, plenty of time, to write down what the Lord has spoken to you or is speaking to you right now about past failures that he wants you to let go and bury in the past and grudges that he wants you to let go and bury in the past. And as we close, what we're going to do is we're going to write these down. Then what you're going to do is you're going to fold this thing in half. And then when you're ready, Suzanne's just going to play in the keyboard, or it could be the end of our service that when you are ready and you've written those things down, I want you to come forward and I want you to stand up here. And we, don't, we call this the altar of the church, the front, of the front of the platform. We call it the altar. I want you to bring that piece of paper up here and this is what I want you to do with it. I want you to take it and I want you to rip it up into a bunch of pieces. I want you to rip it up and I want you to say, God, they're done. God, they're done. God, they're done. God, they're done. And I want you to leave them at the altar. That's the death part. But then I want you to understand, he said, forget what lies behind, but reach forward, it lies ahead. Then you're going to move over to communion. And you're going to come here and you're going to serve yourselves. I'll open these up. And you're going to serve yourself. You're going to take the cup. 
The cup speaks of, of, and the bread, and it speaks of death and life. But you know what? Jesus, his blood was shed, and it speaks of death, but his blood forgives us our sins. It speaks of life. His blood heals of our sickness. It speaks of life. And I want you to take the bread for his broken body and his shed blood. And if you want to stay at the altar, you can do it. I'm going to probably encourage you to try to maybe move back to your chair so other people can come in and rip their stuff up and leave it at the altar. And I want you to find a spot by yourself. If you want to do it with a husband or wife or your kids, you can do that too. But I'm encouraged you to be serious about this. So I think being alone is probably the best. And you take that bread and that cup. And you say, Jesus, I'm leaving those things in the past. And Jesus, right now I'm calling for you to come and to do a work that only you can do in my life. And I'm looking to your power and your presence because, God, that's what this symbolizes. You're this close to me. You're right here. The kingdom of God is at hand. He's here. And he wants to free you from the past. And he wants to project you into the preferred future. And so I want you to write on these cards your past failures and your grudges. When you then feel ready, you come up here and you, you, you commit them to God. You bury them. You rip them up. You say they're dead. They're powerless. Because that's what God says about them. And then you move over here. And you take the bread and you take the cup. And you celebrate life in Christ. So I'm going to pray, Heavenly Father. Right now I pray that you'd begin to speak to our hearts. If we've not been listening with our spiritual ears right now, you'd open them up. And we would hear, God, the things that we need to get past. Just between us and you, no one else. God, we'd come and we'd let them die. We'd bury them. We'd surrender them on the altar because the altar's a place of death. But then, God, we would celebrate life. And we'd, we'd surrender to the preferred future that you have for us in 2013. That, God, as we take the elements, we partake, God that we would dedicate ourselves in 2013 to wholeheartedly walk with you in all of your abundance. And I know that's going to take riskiness, it's going to take challenge, but God, as we accept your challenge today for freedom, God, we know that abundance awaits us. So Heavenly Father, I pray right now as we surrender these things to you and we take communion together, that God... We would leave this place when we're dismissed free and ready to walk into 2013, accepting all the challenges that you have, looking for fruitfulness in our lives and in our church. Thank you, Jesus.